This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by my book, Breaking Bad Faith, Exposing Myth and Violence in Popular Theology to Recover the Path of Peace. I'm Michael Camp. The book helps people break damaging beliefs that are based on myths. It exposes the big lie that God brings justice through retribution, punishment, imprisonment, the death penalty, lenient gun laws, American wars, final judgment, and eternal damnation. It's a religious crap detector. In case you're wondering, that is a theological term. The book uses sound history to reveal the love and restorative justice narratives of Jesus and the prophets. There are real-life stories, many outside Christianity, about people plotting peace rather than revenge to fight evil. Find it at Amazon.com. Welcome to Honoring the Journey. I'm Leslie Neese, one of your hosts, along with my friend Karen Schock, two midlife mamas of adult kids who've been through deconstruction, actually still going through it. We're going to be discussing all things faith and deconstruction. We're going to chat with guests who've had faith journeys that are beautiful, worthy of honor and exploring. And we're going to dive into different faith practices, ideas, and ways to connect with the divine without the religious baggage. Both Karen and my faith journeys are evolving, and they're filled with curiosity and a willingness to explore all things. Thank you so much for journeying with us here on Honoring the Journey. Welcome back. Hi, I'm Leslie Neese with my friend Karen Schock, and this is Honoring the Journey. We are so excited to sit down today with one of our favorite people in the whole wide world. Um, I don't know, my favorite person, yours too, I believe, Karen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've talked about this. It's so fun because we're on like the fifth podcast and already we have one of our dream guests. There you go. <laughs> Keith is like, I'm a what? Where, but, so Rob Bell's coming on later? No. <laughs> oh man, he's on the list too. But I'm reading his book right now. So Yeah. Well, today we have the incredible privilege of speaking with Keith Giles. And Keith is not only a friend of mine and Karen's, but he's also the author of the seven part series or the Jesus Unseries. If you've heard of this, it's literally life-changing. It Mm -hmm. has helped me so much. I haven't read every single book, but I've read quite a few of them and really helps you to sort of put Jesus in a, in a more, I don't know, grounded place instead of just a get out of hell free card. Mm -hmm. He's so much more. And, and it was just such a great series. Highly recommend. He's also the co-host of the heretic happy hour. And uh, that's a lot of fun. And second cup with Keith, that is his podcast. And he's the co-owner of choir publishing and choir cast, which I don't know if you realize they own our podcast and they also are who Karen and I are both writing a book through right now. So Mm -hmm. Keith, welcome to Honoring the Journey today. We can't wait to honor your journey. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much. I'm I'm honored to be on this podcast. I'm really excited that the two of you are doing this podcast together. Like we didn't really, I mean, I had nothing to do with putting this together. Like I didn't say, hey, Leslie, talk (laughs) to Karen. Karen." No. Like you guys did this kind of organically. And I want to say too, like Quarkcast, we promote and sort of like help distribute your podcast. We don't own your podcast. Oh, you yeah, your that's podcast. what I, I'm sorry. I but, mis- um, misled that. But I want to make sure that you know that. <laughs> like, I oh, yeah, I your- own my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't own your podcast. Um, okay. But I'm so excited because like, I think it's great. And I, I think both of you are amazing. And um, I know this podcast is going to reach a lot of people. So thank you for having me on. Yeah, we're so excited too. And Um, You know, we like to start the podcast off with a doozy of a question, Um, and I hope you're game, because this is a good one. 
we all come, I think most of us from a background that was different than where we're at right now, as far as faith goes, maybe a faith tradition or religion. Um, and I'm curious where you come from, for one thing, let us know where that is. And then is there something that you used to teach or believe or impose on others that maybe you kind of cringe at now? <laughs> yeah, a whole a whole bunch of things, sadly. Um, so yeah, I, where I came from was, um, uh, I was sort of saved at like nine or 10 years old uh, in a free will Baptist church in a little town called Eagle Pass, Texas. But then Right after that, a few years after that, my family moved to El Paso, Texas, and we started going to a Southern Baptist church and was pretty much Southern Baptist all the way through college and even got licensed and ordained uh, as a pastor through the Southern Baptist church. So um, that was my origins, I guess. Um, lots of things I cringe at now. Um, <laughs> the thing that that pops into my mind is, um, I, you know, I, I wrote a lot of blog posts. I did a lot of teaching you know, Bible teaching and stuff like that. And um, I self-published like three books before I signed with choir as an author. Um, and one of those books was my big sort of house church book. We were doing house church at the time. Hmm. And I had this book called, This is My Body, Ecclesia as God Intended. And um, I had this whole chapter in there about how um, apparently, you know, God only wants men to be elders in the church and women, you know, women can't do that. And, um, and I fully believe that I was right about yeah. that. You know, mm -hmm. um, thankfully a few years later when I was doing my Jesus Unseries, I took some of that book, this is my body and repurposed some of that into what became Jesus unveiled, which was also still about sort of like the church. And I made sure to rewrite that chapter and say, that that was absolutely false, right? <laughs> that, you know, women can do, women and men can do the same. The Holy Spirit's the same, uh, you know, all that. So, but I was really embarrassed by that. And I've, and I've also come across um, blog posts and articles that I had published mm -hmm. in other places uh, during that time too, where I kind of argued some of the same things about women. And I really, uh, I hate that stuff. <laughs> so I, I so you were part of the boys club. Yeah, I was in the boys club. I apologize for anybody who comes across any of that old stuff. No. Um, yeah. I don't think you need to apologize, Keith. I think, honestly, it, and I said this um, to a friend earlier, you know, I feel like when you look at the Bible through a lens that we were taught to look at it through, it made sense. But mm -hmm. then when you look at the Bible through the lens of love and inclusion and equality, it it also makes sense that way too. So when you come to that point of, okay, so it could mean this or it could mean this. And I see both sides. I always just err on the side of love and inclusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, but you know, you did the best you did with what you had and I, I love you for it. And I think that it, it, to me, it's like, we've learned a new language. Like we speak that language. We know exactly how the people feel when they hear podcasts like ours and we know what they're thinking and why they think it. Totally yes. understand it. But then we also have this new language that we're like, okay, this is a different language that I speak now. And this is more my native tongue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Good for you. Good I for will you. say in these last, so this is our fifth podcast that tears have been shed. Almost every podcast, I think, Leslie, right? Oh, I think yeah. oh, between, yeah. And I am on the verge of tears right now too, Keith, just being able to interview you and talk to you and even hearing you say that. And I just want to say to that, I'm glad that you've been on this journey mm -hmm. uh, because 
yes, you you did say those things. And I, uh, I have cringeworthy posts out there and different mm -hmm. things. And even the book that I'm writing right now about my parents, I'm going back to some of the posts that I wrote about my dad when he was going through hospice and that kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, ah, cringeworthy. I need I to change it. a few things, you know, yeah. like, mm. but <laughs> the fact that you have championed us women yes. and that you have, I mean, given us a voice mm. and I was never able to speak in front of men mm -hmm. for my whole journey, you know, in church. And you may, gave me that platform last year at Awaken. And, you know, I, that was one of the most special times. And to be able to look at, over at you while I was speaking and think, thank you. Thank yeah. you for being, a, helping me get my voice uh, yeah. yeah, just unbelievable. Oh, thank yeah. you for saying that. Yeah. I mean, I think there is a little bit of like, I, uh, you know, I want to make up for those mistakes that I made and, um, I have done, I've, I've tried to go out of my way to do that, you know? Um, and I, that awaken event was amazing. I just want to, I got to put in a plug. Tell me, what is this awaken thing that I'm not awoken to? Yeah. Yeah. So Wait, I, is it only for woke people? <laughs> <laughs> yes. maybe. So we did this event. Uh, we did, we've done two of them in Nashville uh, at Sparrow day church. Okay. And, um, the second one that we did, Karen was a, a featured speaker there and, but I'm, I'm on purpose sort of loaded that event with women. In fact, the way I marketed the event, was I mentioned all the women's names first and I kind of buried all the guys. So, um, so it was, that was like Dr. Jennifer Bird, uh, Karen Shock, Lacey Bean, Eve was framed, Jennifer Knapp did the music, December Rose. Uh, who am I missing? Is that everybody? All the women? It was a pretty, Amazing. pretty stacked. Um, and th then I had, you know, Jim Palmer and me and mm -hmm. um, uh, Nat Turney and, um, Dan Henderson and several other people. So, um, and then the pastor there at Sparrow Day. Um, so, uh, David Paris. So, you know, I, I tried to put women up front because I thought, and, and I think part of it, going back to like when I changed my mind, you know, about that, this specific issue about women, there's sort of two, was a twofold thing. Um, one was we were doing house church ourselves around the, that time. And we didn't restrict women in our practice, right? Women, women were free to share just as much as men what they thought. That was the, our whole thing was this sort of mutual sharing uh, thing that happened. And so my experience told me that there was so much wisdom coming from the women in the room. And it was like, wow, why would we ever silence these women? This is, this is kind of dumb. So we didn't. We weren't even tempted to do that, right? It was, it was wide open. And so then that's, that, that was one thing. My experience told me that that was wrong, but side, you know, hand in hand with that was also then sort of scripturally, I looked at some of those passages that I thought were saying that women, you know, shouldn't do this or that and realized that kind of like, well, actually that Bible isn't really saying that at all. Um, and so that, that also led me on my deconstruction journey of realizing that there's a whole lot of stuff in the Bible that it's easy to point to a verse and say, the Bible says right here, but if you look, you know, if you look a little bit deeper, you realize it actually doesn't say that, or it didn't originally say that, or someone changed, or there's a word missing, or there's a word added, and there's a lot of that going on in the Bible. So, um, and I cover that in my books also. Yeah. That's a big part of that. Maybe we could talk about real quick. The first time that I came across you, uh, your name was 
listening to Heretic Happy Hour because we have a mutual friend in Jamal Javanji. That's right. Because that's how I start. And, and I will tell you at that point in my journey, my deconstruction journey, Heretic Happy Hour, like the name of it. I oh, mean, yeah. I felt like I had to go in my bedroom and put in my, like, I was like, ah, if anybody knows I'm listening to a heretic, yes. you know, and since then I have been on Heretic Happy Hour. So yes. we've come a long way in the yeah. journey, but somehow then I ended up with your Jesus on book that is about the end times. Yeah. I, Jesus I heard you, I heard you on, his name is, is it Phil? Yes, I I think you spoke about your book on his podcast. Yes. And I listened to that with, and just tears streaming down my eyes because I'm like, oh, it was just another one of those things, hell. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all these things that we learned one certain way and we're told, you know, PSA, penal substitutionary atonement, all of those things. But that one in particular, and Leslie and I both talked about this on, on when she interviewed me, because I brought up A Thief in the Night. I brought up that movie yeah, yeah. and how much that movie just wrecked me as a nine-year-old. And Leslie remembers that movie too. We're the same yeah. age. You know, we have, we're like twins. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, but maybe you could just address a little bit. And I'm telling you, if, if you're listening to this podcast right now and have any questions mm-hmm. about the end times and, and what that means and how could that be like, well, this is what we learned and this is a movie we watched and then the yeah. Left Behind series. Maybe you could address just a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll give you the, the Reader's Digest version of that. I covered that. I covered the whole thing. I have a whole book on this called Jesus Unexpected. Um, I think it's the subtitle is Ending the End Times to Become the Second Coming. And so, it, you know, this is one of these things where I think like you, like all, I guess all three of us, you know, I grew up in the church, and I was told that this version of the end times that we all knew, grew up with, we all knew that that was, you see it in the Left Behind books, you see it in that Thief in the Night, the movies, those horrible movies, um, that that whole scenario, you just, you're told basically that that's in the Bible, that this is what the Bible says um, about the second coming, about the end times, about all that. And, um, but then again, I, I, I love going and doing research. And so I go, go to look historically and I realize that no one, no Christians believed what Christians in America now believe about that whole end times thing until uh, like 1845, I think it was. Um, a guy named John Nelson Darby literally invented this whole thing mm-hmm. um, when he well, he was kind of kicked out of England. They, they didn't really find anybody in England interested in this whole thing. Came to America. Americans gobbled it up. We loved it. Um, <laughs> and uh, to the point where... Uh, he was drawing so many crowds and tent revivals and stuff by talking about this whole end times thing, which again was brand new. No one had ever heard this before, but he was getting people all riled up and all excited about it. Um, it we kind of backed into it, right? So then it became, hey, we need to have a Bible that points this stuff out because no one had a Bible that mentioned this, right? It was like, no, no one read the Bible this way. So they literally, uh, this, the, the um, was it the Schofield Reference Bible um, was written to insert Darby's ideas into the Bible so that when you read the Bible, you'd read a note, you read go down to the bottom and read a note that said, oh, this proves blah, blah, blah. Um, and then they backed it up even more and said, we should probably train pastors, you know, mm-hmm. at seminaries to teach this stuff from the pulpit. So then they started seminaries to teach this dispensationalism stuff. And that's how it ended up spreading in America to the point where now in America, 
if you're an evangelical Christian, you don't know that there is any other way to think about this. You don't know mm. that for 1,840 years, no Christian read the Bible this way. Wow. Um, that's an important thing to know, to realize that, oh, someone invented this stuff. It's a story, you know, that someone invented and sold to us, you know, and packaged it in such a way that now we can't imagine any other way of looking at it. Yeah. Now we call it biblical. That's right. Now it's quote yeah. unquote biblical, biblical. theology. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, that doesn't that just blow your mind? Like the 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 amount of sleep that I lost as a child <laughs> worried yeah. about this. Nobody ever told me there was an option. Like this was something that just happened in 1845. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. This is like what Jesus said. And yeah. this is what he meant. And it's happening and it's coming. And uh, it's just amazing to me. You can take a passage or several different ones and kind of fit it into your narrative. And yeah. I think, unfortunately, it happens way more than we realize. Yes. And I think yeah. you know, I talk about, we talk about this in Square One a lot about how it's it's almost sort of like a, a litmus, te litmus test or a red flag test, at least for me. Um, any theology that you're sold or you're taught from the pulpit or from, you know, your church or whatever, your Bible teachers, and if it's got something to do with fear or shame or guilt, mm -hmm. Those three things, those are your red flags. You should say, wait a minute, right? Why is this such a fear-based, shame-based, or guilt-based teaching? Is this really the good news, right? Is this really what the what Jesus and the apostles walked around talking about? Um, most of the time, the answer is no, right? Because like, no, that isn't what they said. They didn't talk about these things. Um, and so it's, it's how theology has been weaponized um, and become so toxic. That fear and that shame and that guilt are ways that make it easier for you to be manipulated. And unfortunately, people are taking advantage. Of it. it works. Yes. It works. It works. And keep you coming back. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh my word. There's so many questions. Like, as you're talking, like, oh, I want to ask this and this, because you have so much <laughs> wisdom. I'm like, wait a minute. Here's what I want to know, though, Keith, because I know that you were probably pretty well respected in evangelicalism and Southern Baptist churches. And, um, and now that you are, um, I guess a heretic in that <laughs> to them. Like yes. how, how do you handle that? Like the, how, cause I think Karen and I both are like, Oh boy, here we go. We got our podcast. That's pretty much saying where we stand in every single episode. And we know we're going to get some flack. So we could yeah. use some, some wisdom in that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't avoid that on one level, you know, um, like I, I really honestly never wrote the things I, you know, the blogs or the books that I wrote or things I posted on social media. Um, I wasn't trying to piss people off. I mean, maybe in the beginning I was, cause I thought I would get hits if I did that. But you know, my, my main goal wasn't to like, I would just want to, I just want to cause controversy. I just want to make people angry. Um, you know, at my heart, I really wanted to like, no, I, I've learned something that I think is helpful. Like, you should know that, for example, the Old Testament never mentions eternal torment. And for 400 years, no Christian, you know, the majority of Christians believed in universal reconciliation. Like, that's something good to know. Maybe you should know that, right? I'm just trying to share the information with people. And of course, when you do that, you get branded a heretic, you get um, dismissed and and um, and attacked and things like that. That's going to happen, right? Um, and so, you know, there is that verse that says, you know, as far as it depends on you to live at peace with all men, you know. Mm. So in a very practical level for me and Wendy and our family, um, you know, we, we walked away at the time we walked away. We were, we were part of a vineyard church. We were part of the vineyard church movement. We had planted a vineyard church in Southern California with, with some friends of ours did that for about three and a half years. 
and for the most part loved it you know it was actually was i mean there was bad things about it but overall it wasn't bad uh, over it wasn't so bad but we just felt a conviction at the time this is sort of what pushed us out into doing the house church thing um we felt like i was doing a lot of study about the early church and realizing like um, the early church, the DNA of the early church was caring for the poor and the community. And that was really the major impact that it had on the culture. It wasn't miracles. It wasn't apostolic preaching. It was literally the people around them going like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you just sold that property to feed these people that are total strangers and you care about the orphan and the widow. Um, and so, you know, we started our house, we left to start a house church that gave away everything to the poor in our community. We just started meeting in homes um, we got rejected for that. There were people that didn't like that. People in the Vineyard Church movement, pastors that we planted that church with, who first told us we were crazy, and then told everybody that we were, you know, that what's that verse? Uh, we were actually sitting in a in Sunday morning, me and Wendy and, and the boys, like the second row, and and we were and we'd already announced that we were leaving to start this house church, but we hadn't left yet. We were we were doing children's ministry and. And so we were trying to train people so that they'd be okay, you know, on our way out. Uh, we wouldn't, didn't want to leave them high and dry. So anyway, we're sitting there in service and the senior pastor gave a sermon that morning about uh, the verse that says, you know, they went out from us because they weren't of us. Oh, goodness. Boy, have and, I heard know, that like, one. Yeah. How do you not feel like mm. there's a massive spotlight on you, right? Mm -hmm. That whole sermon. And I was just dying inside like, are you kidding me? I can't mm. believe they're doing this. Um, so it was, it was very painful. I won't sugarcoat mm -hmm. it. I mean, yeah. uh, I, Wendy came home in tears a couple of times, you know, like she'd go to Costco and would, would see somebody that we used to do children's ministry with friends of ours. We had had over to our house that their kids played with our kids and we'd done ministry things with them and they would just ignore us and pretend not to see us. Yep. Um, wait, can know, I was, ask yeah. a question real quick? Yeah. So wait, they were upset because you were helping the poor? They were upset. No, 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 no. That, that okay. I'm like, wait, about. what are they upset about? Like, I'm they trying were, to figure out why they were so mad at you. This they is were crazy. upset because we were, I guess, because we were leaving that church sure. and we were starting our own church, right? So there's a bit of competition. Although I, we didn't oh, steal anybody. Lord. I didn't like, I no, didn't pull anybody yeah. away. Um, and, the, and the fact that we were doing it, like we didn't plant a vineyard church, right? Yes. Uh, it was a house church. It had no covering. It had no denominational covering. We didn't have any statement of faith. Like it was, we just went maverick. We went rogue, you know, on our own. And I think they were, that scared them. I was going to say fear. That's well, yeah. That's always the answer, isn't it? Fear yeah. of what you're doing, what you're doing may be right. So what, yeah. which would mean what they're doing would be wrong. That's right. Number one, mm. fear that you, what you're doing may be wrong and they care about you or yeah. just even the fear of losing your friendship. Yeah. Like just- Oh, now we don't, we're not going to get to. Yeah. It wasn't coming from our side. Like we, again, no. I, I tried really hard to stay in touch with them, yeah, sure. uh, with those guys, but the, um, you're right. I think you're right. It's the fear. I remember this is again, so clearly uh, again, the senior pastor, uh, one of the last times I talked with him in the office before we left, he said to me, Keith, you know, um, I just, this is exactly what he said. He goes, Keith, I just, I, I, I don't, I feel like that what you're doing, I just don't find it in the Bible. And I burst out laughing. Right. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I can't see what you're doing in the Bible, right? <laughs> Where's the senior pastor of the church in Corinth? Where's the senior pastor of the church in Galatia? Like, Where's all these are writing letters, dear senior pastor. He's writing to the entire body because everyone in the church 
has equality amongst themselves, right? We were literally doing 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Christ was the head. We were all members of the body. We're using our gifts to bless one another and, and encourage one another, disciple one another. I mean, but, but he was saying that what we were doing wasn't biblical. And I was like, wow, okay. But we were just on total different pages, right? And that's okay. I understand that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but it was, but it was painful. Yeah, it was, hard. it was difficult. I, I really didn't understand it. I, I remember I also told him because they cut us off, right? He said, "Well, we can't send you out with a blessing." Um, and I was like, "Dude, I don't understand why you would do this." I said, "Because what we're doing, we, we genuinely feel like the Holy Spirit is asking us to step out and do this, right?" And I feel like it can only help you to bless us. Like if we stay connected, I'm not asking for money from you, mm-hmm. right? I'm not taking anything from you, but, but if we keep sort of like, I said, it's like the picture I had in my mind was like, um, when you have like a plant, there's certain plants and it'll send out like a runner mm-hmm. and, and then, and then root, root into the ground and then another plant will grow. I said like, we totally came from you, right? We grew in this thing, this church that we helped to start. Now we're, the spirit of God is sending us out to do this new thing over here and, and it's going to grow and flourish and it's going to bear fruit. And, and if we stay connected, that fruit is yours, mm-hmm. right? Because it came from, you know, it's all still connected. Right. But if you cut us off, I promise you, we're still going to bear fruit, but you just don't get any of that. Like, you know what I mean? It didn't make any sense to me. Um, but wow. what, whatever it was, I mean, that was, that was their mentality. Basically, if you're not with us, you're against us. Um, they drew this hard line in the sand and, um, yeah, sadly that's the way it went, man. I'm sorry you went through that. That really breaks my heart. I, I think we've all, anybody who's been through deconstruction has tasted that and it's pretty bitter. It's pretty bitter and it's, it's not something that you want to sit down and do. And I, I think that that's the whole thing. It's like, I don't know. People are like, why are you, you know, talking about it? Why do you have to talk? It's one thing for you to go through it, but why do you got to talk about it? And it's like, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I've always been this person, you know what I mean? Like I just, and if you see something that you've done that you would have done differently, had you known what you know now, why would you not say something? That's right. That's right. I I will say, I have to give, I have to give a, um, a postscript to that story though, because, um, about probably like five or six years later, um, that senior pastor and I had lunch together Nice. Um, we had a really great conversation. It was around the time his father was dying. So I kind of was got to be a friend to him during that time. And then a few weeks after that, he invited me to come speak at his, at the same church. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I spoke on a Sunday evening and I asked him, you know, what should I preach about? And he, he said, whatever you want. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of trust. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was a, a good ending, at least with us. Yeah. Like, well, we kind of did eventually, they, they eventually came around and said, okay, Keith's not so bad. <laughs> yeah. I guess he's not such a threat to us. Um, there was a, there was a little bit of healing there. So that that's good. I love that, man. You just don't hear enough of that. Yeah. You know, the, the humility to come back to you and be like, Hey, let's have a relationship at least a little yeah, that bit. Was, that you was know? surprising, but beautiful. Nice. See, that's how it's supposed to be done in the first place. (laughs) I think Leslie, we, we talked about, we've talked about Keith, just this journey that we're all on together even, and that you have come to a place. Like, I think we've all three kind of come through the Mm. angry side and bitter side. Like we were like, we've all come through like, what the hell, like what is going on? And we're all kind of at that place where 
that's not what we want to focus on anymore. And right. we've, Leslie and I have both been talking about how we'd like that for this podcast yeah. and how we've seen you. That's kind of where you're at right now. And that's kind of what you're writing about. Uh, and I thought maybe we, I think we both thought this, Leslie, that you mm -hmm. could talk about that, Keith, just where you're at in this. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great thing. No, it's a, it's a very good point, you know, and again, I talk about this in square one. Um, I just, I noticed something, I call it detoxing from your detox, right? Mm -hmm. And um, again, when you, when you initially deconstruct, you do have, and it's natural, it's normal. You, I don't think you can not have these feelings, right? You feel angry, you're betrayed, they lied to me, you know, you have all this anger and frustration built up and you have to just kind of get it out, right? So that's the initial detox. And that's, again, that's normal. Everyone goes through it. Um, and, uh, but what I've noticed is that it can become unhealthy if you, if you remain in that place. Right. And so um, I, I had to go through that myself of realizing like, you know, at some point um, that has to end because the good thing is that I'm not in that anymore. Right. Okay. I used to be in that, right. All that fear, all that shame, all that guilt, all the lies, all the betrayal. Okay, great. So now fine. I'm not part of that anymore. My eyes are opened. I see it. I react to it. I get it out of my system, but at some point you have to stop and pivot and start living, you know, okay, live the, the good of not being there anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Because I'm not sitting under that teaching of judgment and shame and guilt what am I doing now? Like, what's the good that comes out of the freedom of not yeah. still being controlled by that? And what I, I feel like is th the longer we let that, that um, anger, you know, we, we stay in that place of, the, of the, that detoxing, that constant detoxing mode. Um, we never grow. We never heal. We never let go. And I've told people who are caught in that, the kind of, I call this loop. You get caught in this loop. Um, it's like, you should just go back to that church just go back on Sunday morning and sit in the pew because they still got you. They're still oh, controlling your head. They're, they're you, still, you yeah. know what I mean? They're, the they're fundamentalism still, from, you know, not this, but now fundamentalism for this. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Oh. So, um, and then one of the things I, uh, we, again, we talk about this in square one is um, that I found really helpful is there's, you really can rewire your brain, right? Mm -hmm. We have this beautiful plasticity in our brains and, and one of, there's tons of research that has been done on this. Um, but one of the things that really helps to do that is this sort of um, gr gratitude, right? And by shifting your brain, the polarity of your brain into gratitude, it literally rewires your brain and it doesn't change your circumstance. You're still, you still were betrayed. You still were lied to. You still were part of something that was horrible. Um, so all that is still the same, but it allows you um, to sort of shift again, that polarity. It's, 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 a, it's actually, um, like, you know, it's a tool, it's a resource that you can use uh, when you feel yourself getting caught in those negative loops, you can stop and go, okay, I'm going to practice these gratitude things. And it now it shifts your brain where now by, by shifting into gratitude mode, you can appreciate even the good that came out of the crap you went through. Yes. And, um, you know, but we have to make a, we have to make a conscious choice um, to let go of those things and to start building the new thing, Right. So, you I know, love it. You, 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 again, when you go through deconstruction, there's a ton of things that you used to do. You don't do anymore. I don't go to this church. I don't go to Bible study. I don't go to women's night. I don't go to prayer meeting. I don't go to the retreat. Right. Okay, great. I don't do my Bible. Maybe I don't do my, my daily quiet time. I don't do my uh, reading to the Bible in the year, whatever. Like, so you, 
you stop doing a bunch of stuff um, once you deconstruct. But most of us don't replace that with anything mm. that's positive. That's like, okay, so what can I do now that really does make me feel connected to God? Um, that really does sort of spiritually nourish my soul. Mm. And the good thing is you get to decide what that is now. Because most of the things that I went through, most of the things that probably most evangelicals, all the things I just named in that list, um, are things other people told you to do, right? Mm. And for most, for me, most of that stuff didn't help me, you know? Yeah. It mostly made me feel guilty if I forgot to do it. You know, <laughs> I, feel like, ah, darn it, I, didn't, I didn't have a quiet time for an hour every morning, whatever. Okay, right? a little louder for the people in the back. Cause... Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> oh, I didn't pray, you know, the way I was supposed to. So, you know, to sort of like let go of that and say, all right, but let's just take some time to figure out. And every, I think everyone's unique. Everyone's different. Um, what are the things that genuinely, again, nourish my soul, make me feel closer to God. And like for some people that might be gardening for other people, it might be spending time in nature in the forest or in the beach or whatever. For some people, it could be painting or music for some people it could be volunteering and serving like a, at a soup kitchen or a food bank or something like that. Um, and it, it, so basically it gives us, we should take this opportunity once we've gone through deconstruction to figure out what are those things that we can replace in our life that really do make us feel this connection with God and with one another. Oh, Keith, are you kidding me right now? That was so good. Well, um, <laughs> we need to take a quick break, okay. but we're going to come back. And I want you to talk about square one. You've mentioned it several times. Sure. I've been through it. I don't know if Karen's been through it, oh, but yeah. That's cool. I mean, it is amazing. And we're going to talk about it in just a minute. Welcome back to Honoring the Journey. Today, we are honoring the journey of our good friend, Keith Giles. And uh, we were talking right before the break about how he has this really cool thing called Square One. He mentioned it a few times. He said, we talk about this in Square One. I was like, I'm going to give him an opportunity to tell you about this because it has been such a gift to me and to Karen. Mm -hmm. uh, Keith, tell us a little bit about what this is. Yeah. So um, I guess about four years ago, um, I started this thing called Square One, um, mostly because I was getting a lot of private messages from a lot of people going through deconstruction. You know, maybe they listen to a podcast or read one of my books or whatever, and they'd have questions. Keith, what do I do about this? What do I do about that? Right. And I would sort of like try to take some time with those people, talk to them on the phone or Zoom call or or just answer their questions if I could and send them some resources or whatever. And I was doing that all the time. It was like really taking up a ton of my time. And I don't mind doing it, but it was sort of like, I also felt like it was not very efficient because, you know, I talked to one person once and then I never know what happened. Like, how did, where'd they end up, right? So um, all of that made me think like, what if I could just create this online course? Um, I'll record like 12 sessions. I sat down with a pad and I just kind of wrote out like these different sessions and there were 12 of them, like how I would walk somebody through their deconstruction process, help them figure out what it's all about, um, give them all the tips and things that I've learned through the years, and hopefully point them in the direction of re reconstructing their faith. And again, I don't tell anybody what that is. I don't know what that is, but I, I would give you, I, I sort of lay it out like a uh, like a buffet of options, and you get to fill your plate with the things that work for you and ignore the things that don't. Um, and everybody kind of gets to figure it out for themselves. So anyway, I did that, created that course. Um, and when I created it initially, um, I think we had like 15, 20 people in the first round of people that went through it. Um, it included a weekly Zoom call. So every Saturday we'd get on the phone for an hour or two hours 
um, and just let listen to everybody's story and all that stuff. And there's a private Facebook group and all that. And so uh, I did that. Had I did that for four years. So uh, I literally was well, I was taking 15 to 20 people at a time and taking them by the hand and walking them through their deconstruction reconstruction process. Um, been doing that for four years. Um, then there, out of that spawned a square two uh, course and community. And then after that, there was a square three as well, which is just a Zoom call on Sundays. Um, so um, yeah, it's something that I, I've, I've almost 200 people now have gone through it. Um, it's, I know a lot of people, so you both have gone, gone through, at mm -hmm. least gone through square one for sure. Karen, I know mm -hmm. you've gone all the way to square three. Um, and it's just something that it, it's satisfying for me because now I really can see that it's helped people. I can track their progress through it. Um, I've heard their feedback about how it's really helped them um, and some of the principles and things that we do and we've talked about. So um, it's been really rewarding. It's been really cool. I, I will say I've just recently modified it because um, the the downside for me personally was what it meant was that every Saturday for the last four years, I was spending <laughs> four hours on a Zoom call um, with these people again, which I love doing, but it was just kind of killing me. <laughs> That's a lot. Right. Yeah. Not yeah. Having, basically, I have no weekends, right? I, yeah. I, I just work Monday through Friday, and then I work through the weekend, and I go back Monday and keep working. Um, January of this past year, Matt and I, Matthew DeStefano and I became co-owners of Quire Publishing. So that was also now extra work I was having to do. So yeah, I just recently shifted Square One to what's called Square One Express, which is the, everything I just said. It's, 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 it's the private Facebook group. Facebook group. It's all those videos and all the courses and all the resources. Um, it just doesn't include the zoom call. Um, but I've also reduced the price of that. So I'm mm -hmm. making that hopefully now more people will have access to it. That's um, awesome. It's yeah. been, it was so helpful for me. I, I think it's, it's hard to find somebody who's gone through deconstruction who kept Jesus yeah. um, and kept God and, and you did. And I think that was what I loved about hearing your voice. And one of my one of my hopes and dreams in doing this podcast, writing the book, everything that I'm trying to do right now, I want to be a voice for the invisible, the invisible person who is just starting to go through deconstruction, who yeah. doesn't want anybody to know it. So they're kind of just looking at things online and lurking and, you know, all of that. And and I feel like for me, you were one of those voices mm -hmm. and you helped me find my voice again. So thank you. I appreciate cool. it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Glad I could do that. Course. Yeah. Big deal. It's a big deal because <laughs> I've got a big voice. <laughs> yeah. Well, you see, this, this is why I was saying at the beginning, I think hey, Leslie, you and Karen, it's so great that the two of you are together because I do think you're very similar um, mm -hmm. stories. I do. I think both of you have incredible voices and any and every way that we can amplify your voices is that's exciting to me. I think that's beautiful. Oh, we appreciate that a lot. I know Karen and I both are, we're kind of like shook. Like what is happening? We met once on a Facebook call, not Facebook's FaceTime. Um, because I've read something of hers on her um, Facebook page. And I was like, Oh, that is beautiful. I love her yeah. writing. And I knew she was a writer for choir. So I reached out to her. I was like, can we just like have coffee on FaceTime? <laughs> and as soon as I talked to her, I mean, literally before we hung up, I was like, let's do a podcast together. She's like, heck yeah. And like, wow. it was just so, who does that? But right. how fun that we, you know, it's so hard to find friends, it, mm. especially my age, especially where mm -hmm. I live. I live in Utah, um, who are deconstructing, but still want to hold on to 
some of what they they got in their um, faith tradition. And so, you know, especially the Jesus part, like I, I'm not letting go. I tried. I tried. Yeah. It didn't work. Um, and, and so like to be able to find somebody like that, I'm like, this is this is super cool. I need I need yeah. this in my life. And if I need it, I know there are other people that need it. So exactly. that's why we're doing it. And that's it's right. been so much fun. So tell us a little bit about Second Cup with Keith. What is this podcast about? Yeah. So, um, well, it's, I mean, the, the short version is um, it's just me <laughs> uh, behind a microphone uh, sitting right here where I'm sitting right now with a, with a, a mug of something, coffee or tea, and uh, picking a topic that I'm interested in that I feel like other people would be interested in and just doing a whole episode on that, talking about that. Um, it started off, um, I used to do this on Facebook Live where I would just like, I'd have something I wanted to talk about. I would just jump on Facebook, turn on, you know, I did a video thing where I would just say, hey, second cup with Keith. Usually I really was drinking my second cup of coffee that morning. And I would just, hey, I want to talk about this. I jump on Facebook. I do a little video. Um, people would comment and things like that. And so that's that's what it was initially. I did that for about a year or so. Um, and then I had a chance to do a solo podcast with a friend of mine. Uh, he was ho- He was like, I'll host it. I'll put it together. You know, and I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> so uh, I, I just transferred Second Cup with Keith over to a podcast and started doing it. Um, and now there's a book. I p- just published a book based on the Second Cup with Keith. So each chapter of the of the book takes one of the episodes from the podcast and expands that t- that topic and oh, talks fun. about those things that I talk about on the podcast. Um, and I've just expanded recently. I've just started doing that. Last year, I started bringing on guests. So sometimes I'll bring on a guest and interview them and talk to them about something. So I had Jennifer Bird on, we talked about some things. Um, yeah, I've had a bunch of different people. Oh, so um, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I just, I love doing it. And um, yeah, I, I encourage people to check that out. If you're curious about some of those topics, we cover things that we've talked about on this podcast, right? Women in leadership and the how, things that have been changed in the Bible, hell, the end times, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I love it. So, Okay say somebody is listening today who is just starting this road of deconstruction um, and they're a little overwhelmed. It can be a little scary. It feels lonely. Mm-hmm. And you also feel like you can't tell anybody because yeah. like then it's real. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I went through this. I totally get it. But what would your, your advice be to that person just starting out? Oh, that's so, yeah, that's good. There's so many things. I, I think, well, one thing that I, t- I tell everybody in square one at the very beginning um, it's just some advice. And I say, in all of your deconstructing of your theology, I strongly suggest you deconstruct your need to be right about everything. Mm. And the reason I say that to people is that if you're not careful, you can trade one set of beliefs for another set of beliefs. You can change your theological beliefs, but you're still fundamentalist about it, right? You're still arguing with people and beating them up and you're wrong and I'm right. And, um, and you can just go, again, that's one of those things you can get caught in. You just keep doing that over and over again. And actually, it will make your deconstruction process take longer and be way more painful. In other words, if you keep letting the cement dry on what you believe, um, then it's going to take a sledgehammer to come and break it again the next time, right? Whereas if you kind of hold loosely to those beliefs and say, you know, my whole thing is like, I was wrong before. I'm probably wrong now. I bet I'm going to be wrong tomorrow. So <laughs> let's just not worry about who's right and wrong. It's not about being right and wrong. And, and so again, it, it takes some humility. You have to be willing to say sometimes, I don't know what I believe about this, or I believe this, I think, but you know, I'm still staying open to informa- new information. 
Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not dogmatic about it. I'm not, you know, arguing people with people about it. And I'm recognizing, you know, again, that the big thing is to recognize that the gospel is not about having all the right information about God. Again, that, again, I think that's this thing about deconstruction that as you're deconstructing all your theology, recognize that the big, the, the big, big fundamental flaw in evangelical theology is that mm-hmm. it's this idea that you have to have the right information about God and, and the evangelical Christians say, and we've got it all figured out. And these are the 10 things you got to believe. Right. Right. So again, don't just trade out those 10 things for other things. Recognize that the, the fundamental flaw, the umbrella of the whole thing um, is the assumption that it's really important for you to have all the right information about God. That isn't what the gospel is about. It's not about the information. It's about transformation and transformation can happen when you don't know anything about theology, right? You could be a six-year-old girl and love Jesus and have an incredible connection with the Holy Spirit. And you can't explain the Trinity. You don't know anything about, you know, Augustine's confessions or like, and you don't have to because it's not about information. It's about transformation. Mm -hmm. And that to me is a really important thing for anybody going through deconstruction. Don't get, don't stay caught in that trap of thinking that it's about being right about everything. Man, that's a, you know what you, we really, I mean, you can get out of evangelicalism, but it's hard to get evangelicalism out of you. And that's, I mean, honestly, it is like, I, when you said that, I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, he's right. Like, and I'm, you know, seven years in (laughs) deconstruction and it's still very hard to remember that you don't have to have the answers. And there is something so freeing about that. Mm-hmm. And I always yeah, say there's, you know, he calls it a mystery for, yeah. for a reason. Yeah. We don't have to have all the boxes checked and everything. I think it's more just leaning into connecting with God, the divine, whatever you call the yeah. higher power, you know, it's leaning into that with, with your hands open. And Karen and I have said this before. It's not just your, your hands aren't just open because you're trying not to grip, but it's also open to receive. Right. And the yeah. more open that you are, the more I believe and I've experienced, mm-hmm. um, you will grow and you will see like it's so much bigger than we could have ever thought. Yes. You know, I love that you say, Keith, too, like, I'm not your guru. Yeah. But I, that's been very hard for me because of evangelicalism. Yes. Yes. There's always somebody who knows. Always. Right. I always had a leader. I always had somebody, you know, first it was my pastor and then it was, you know, uh, any of the evangelical heroes that had, mm-hmm. were all, we're watching them all fall down now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if John Piper says it's true, then it must be true. Right. You no. Know? And it, that was easy. That, that was actually easy. And it so is. it became one of those things where, well, then if, if it's not John Piper, it must be Keith. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so even through square one, you would say that almost weekly. Like, yes, I'm not your guru, people. Like, yes. I'm not. You're you're going to find it. You're going to. And mm-hmm. that's the beauty of keeping your hands open and being able to say, I don't know it all. And certainly Keith doesn't know it all. And right. neither does John Piper. God bless and, us all. Yeah. And you don't have to know it all. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. That's right? the beauty. There's no need to know it all. Right. I, I was thinking about this the other night about how. Um, how screwy it is for us to get caught in that mindset because like, you know, if, if Christianity, if the gospel is about, well, we got to have all this exact theology 
just look at the way that Jesus communicated, right? Right. The two main things that Jesus would always do is tell stories and mm. ask questions yes. that he left open. He never he never explained it. He never answered, never explained the stories except for once. And then he never like he would ask a question and walk away. Not even wait for the person to figure out. <laughs> he would ask a question and then while they're scratching their head, he just leaves. And those are if you're, you know, if if your goal is you if the most important thing is to com- communicate specific and exact theology, telling stories you don't explain and asking questions you don't answer are the two worst ways to do that. <laughs> but if your goal is to create awe and wonder and mystery, those two things are the best things possible to do. Tell mm-hmm. stories and ask questions because it engages your imagination, right? And so again, I think this is exactly what Jesus is doing. This is why he tells his disciples and he says to us, he says, unless you change and become like little children, you Mm -hmm. cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. And if you have kids, we've all got kids. Like, what do kids love to do? But why? But why? 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 (laughs) They're always asking questions. It's annoying how often they ask questions. And so I think, again, Jesus is calling us back to that sort of childlike wonder of, of approaching a God who is a, a mystery. Um, again, it's not a God, the goal is not to have God mapped and drawn out on a piece of paper or, or you know, figured out, because you can't, right? Let's admit it. But but God is someone that you can experience. You definitely can have an experience of God. And you might not be able to explain it, but you can, surely you can experience it. It's like a discovery that lasts yeah. your whole life. Yeah. And exactly. you discover different layers and different ideas and and ways to connect with them. And that's one of our visions for this podcast as well, is to really explore like different ways to connect with the divine. And, you know, we've got people coming up who are going to be talking about astrology and Mm -hmm. we've got somebody who's really into yoga, you know, and these are all things I was terrified of (laughs) in evangelicalism. So I know that, you know, that's a hard thing to understand, but listen, you know, they are connecting. I, Mm -hmm. I, you can't deny it. That's right. And so I feel like God's a lot more, um, he loves the expressions that we have when we try to connect with him and having the freedom to do that without fear is life-changing. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. So man, whoo, I know you're not a guru, but good grief. You got some (laughs) wisdom in you, Mr. Giles. Well, thank you. Again, again, but like to Karen's point, you know, um, I've done this before with other people too, right? I, I I look up to certain teachers and the the danger is, you know, of course we learn from people, right? I really appreciate David Bentley Hart and Richard Rohr and Brad Jerzak and Brian Zahn. And, you know, I learn from those people and I really appreciate the things I learn from them. But like, don't ever sort of give away your brain. Don't give away totally. your your spiritual autonomy. Like, um, so I can, I definitely will learn from those people, but I can disagree with them. I don't have to believe it because right. they believe it. That That's really the thing. Don't believe it. I, I, I do this all the time. People will ask me questions like, Keith, what do you believe about this? Or Keith, what, are, what do you think this means? And I'm like, um, it makes me nervous because I feel like whatever I say is what they're going to believe. Like right. they're just waiting to find out what Keith thinks. And then they go, oh, Keith thinks that. So that's what I believe. Like, no, <laughs> I don't want you to do that. I want, you know. Just can, say, what do you believe? Yes. Say, <laughs> you you tell me what you believe, right? I want to know what you believe. Yeah, right. That's what and Jesus then, would do, that's right? That's exactly what Jesus would do. Yes, that's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's wonderful. And it's the opposite. It really is the opposite of what we've learned in church with mm-hmm. our church leaders that's and right. the men in my life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who are leading 
and, and saying, you know, don't trust your heart, yeah. you know, don't, don't, you know, your heart can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I can't trust my heart, but you want me to trust yours. Right. Why does yours get to be trusted? If the right. Bible says nobody's heart, like, then why you? Oh, right. because you went to college for it? Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't understand. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's so much, but it's like it, it, it every day is a, is a new discovery um, these days in my faith walk. And I'm absolutely loving it. It is instead of like trying to get to the destination at the top, which is like how it was in evangelicalism, you know, climbing a mountain, but really who gives a crap about what's all around you? You're getting to heaven. So that's all that matters. Right. You know, focus on that. Um, but now I'm looking around like, man, this view is amazing. Yes. I, who knew? I was so busy looking at the top that I missed everything around me. Right. And it is like, I I'm so excited to be on this journey. And, and I love that I have people now in my life who are also on this journey with me and, you know, we're, nobody's really leading the other. We're just kind of doing it together. Right. And I, I'm, I'm thankful for both of you for one thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Keith, everything that you've done with square one and your books and, podcasts. I remember hearing your voice for the first time and I thought, wow, his voice sounds like it was weird. You and Richard, both of you, I heard your voices on a podcast. I was like, I think, I think I trust him. Like it's Mm. weird. You know how you can hear a voice. You're like, I'm going to trust that voice, not listen to it and think that's all I'm going to believe. But like, I believe that this person's heart is in the right place. He's not trying to get followers. He's not right, trying right, to sell right. books. You're not trying to sell books. I mean, you do sell books, thank God. Yeah. But yeah. but you it, that's never been, I've never felt that was your motive. Right. And um, I appreciate that about you. So thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. It, it scares me a little bit when you say that, <laughs> that might be, you just hear my voice and you just trust me like, eh, okay. No, I know. Well, I know. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's called discernment. It's a gift okay. of the spirit. No. Right. Yeah, and I think it has to do with having and we, Leslie and I have talked about this too, having a soft heart, yeah, like having a moldable, soft, you know, willing to listen, willing mm-hmm. to be wrong, willing to, you know, you can hear that in your voice. And I think that that's, once you get to our age, once you get in the fifties, it's hard do. to find people with soft hearts. It's yes. We've yes. learned everything we need to know. Right. Yeah. No, no, shut up and sit down and listen to us because we know it all. Right. And, and you, you don't hear that in your voice. You don't hear that in Richard Rohr's voice. Yeah. You know, you hear a soft, I I could be wrong. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to tell you what to believe. I'm just saying what worked for me. This is how I see it. Yeah. And, and he said a quote once that I've never forgotten. And I wish I could remember exactly how it is. Maybe one of you remember where it was like, it's either um, great suffering or great love Mm. that makes you change. Mm the direction Mm. that you're going. And for me, it wasn't so much the suffering. It was the great love. And, Mm. and, and I, I, man, when he said that, I I literally just started bawling because (laughs) I thought that is like beautiful and it's true. And I, and I feel like sometimes we're afraid to change. We're afraid to believe something different. Um, But when I just finally just said, I'm just going to let go. I'm just going to let go and trust that, you know what God said when he's got you, he's got you like, (laughs) he's not going to let me go. Um, Mm -hmm. but this journey, you guys. Yeah, it is good. And I I love that. This is the title of your podcast, honoring the journey, because like you were saying earlier, um, we used to think it was all about the destination and like Mm -hmm. you said, getting to the top and, 
And, and that's one of the positive things I think about going through deconstruction is that uh, hopefully you reach a point where you really can just relax and enjoy mm-hmm. the journey, right? You don't, um, you're not so worried anymore about, well, what if I'm wrong about this? Or what if I'm wrong about that? It's like, no, God is love. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm created in the image of love. And, um, and whatever happens, you know, if, if God is my judge, I'm judged by love. Right. So I'm, I'm going to be okay. I'm not afraid of God and I'm not afraid of even the journey and where I'm going on the journey. Um, We're taking a wrong turn because yeah. that might've been the right turn for you. Right. It yeah, just might not have been the right turn for someone else. Who knows? Yeah. That's part of the thing about the mystery as well. Right. You have yeah. to have the freedom to say what's over there. You know, and just go, go go look, right? And but also yeah. to also to understand, just because you go and look and learn something new, you don't have to accept it, right? Right? It you doesn't say, have to oh, be a part of who you are. Yeah, that's interesting, but I don't, you know, no, I'm not, not my jam. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Key, thank you so much. If um, if our listeners want to find you online, where would they go? Yeah, well, I blog on Patheos, and it's just my name, KeithGiles.com. That's one easy way to find me. Um, my podcast, Heretic Happy Hour, Second Cup with Keith. And I do another one called Apostates Anonymous, which is a lot of fun uh, with my my uh, co-owner of choir, Matthew Stefano. Um, those are all on anywhere you listen to podcasts. And I'm on all the major socials, right? Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, even okay. YouTube, you know. Uh, well, we'll put your links in the show notes so everybody can just click and, and come find you because right. you're definitely worth finding. We appreciate your time today. Is there anything you want to leave us with today as you're heading out? Hmm. No, I guess the main thing would just be for anybody who's deconstructing, you know, you're not alone. Um, there are some really great encouraging voices out there like you guys. Um, and uh, thankfully, you know, there are a lot of podcasts that are really good and that help you give you permission to ask questions and think about things. And uh, yeah, don't, yeah, don't worry about, again, having it all figured out. The gospel really isn't about having the right information. It really is about this transformation and that happens in connection with God. And if you have that, hold on to that. Thank you, Keith. Keith Giles, G-I-L-E-S, if you want to look him up yourself. And um, thank you, Karen. As usual, so fun getting to know you on the podcast that we're doing together. Feelings are mutual. Um, Yeah. And you, the listener, I can't thank you enough for being on this journey with us as we honored Keith's journey today. And, um, you know, if you want to find us online, we're all over the place. We've got a Facebook page that's private. It's uh, honoring the journey in it. uh, You have to ask to enter and not because we have a password, but because we want to see your name when you come in. And also we have a, um, we just started an Instagram, so that's new and fun. And uh, I am on TikTok. Karen's on TikTok. We've got all kinds of fun links that we'll put in the show notes as well. So you can find us there. So thank you so much today for honoring this journey with us. And we look forward to next time with you.